1: When Jesus was at the table with them, he took some bread, gave thanks, divided it, and gave it to them. And then they were allowed to recognize Jesus. Luke 24, verses 30 and 31. Men are easier to recognize after a long time than women, I think. Women change their hairstyles and their hair color and can be quite deceptive in their appearances. When I met up with some of my old school friends, whom I hadn't seen for the best part of 30 years... My hair was short and white, where it had been long and brown. My friends recognized me by my mannerisms. And here you have the disciples talking to Jesus about the events that had just taken place in Jerusalem while they were on their way to Emmaus. Frightened, sad and confused, they didn't recognize Jesus. And it wasn't until they stopped for something to eat and he broke the bread that they realized who he was and went, It's him! And then the post-mortem. Didn't you have a feeling that there was something familiar while we were walking along? Didn't your stomach kind of clench when he was talking to us? Didn't it feel like a fire burning in us? They knew, but then they didn't know. Those around us are characterized by their mannerisms, aren't they? Sometimes we find ourselves thinking, She reminds me of someone. It's the way she holds her cup, or smiles, or inclines her head. Or it may be in his walk, the way he gestures, his raised eyebrows. When we meet Jesus along our road, do we recognize him? Is it in the familiar pattern our morning takes, or the way we look at a friend or react to a child? Do we recognize him in the people we meet, in the situations that come about with apparently no help from us? Let's rejoice as we walk as resurrection people, for Christ is risen indeed. There's no doubt about that. And every time we receive communion, we recognize him in the breaking of the bread. Alleluia! Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm here to dispel the preconceived ideas many have about what educating our children at home looks like. For some, it's school. For me, it suited the maverick that lurked within when I decided I didn't want to miss anything my children were doing by handing them over to folk who weren't their mother. Together, we came up with a lifestyle that will leave me knowing, without a doubt, that I gave my all and my children are well equipped to go it alone as the unique beings they're encouraged to be. Over the years, I've spoken to a wide range of mothers and fathers, from the secular to the missionary, the academic to the child-led schooling becomes a suffix from home to boat to biking and the world we can find learning opportunities anywhere in my journey i've used the tools god gave me to live my life fully i've moved in and out of my comfort zones children will do that for you gaining insights and delights along the way which i'm happy to share with you with or without my children underfoot, my life is often ordinary, always busy and sometimes frustrating. But for me, it starts and ends with God, the beauty of his creation, silence, a starry night, a rousing piece of music or a simple hug. If you pop by, I'll offer you a cup of iced coffee and maybe a leftover Cadbury cream egg to fortify you. And thank you for staying. but. I understand if I don't see you because you're on that side and I'm here broadcasting from Turkey Creek in Florida. Yes, we made it safe and sound. After the first break, I'll be bringing you a conversation I had a few weeks ago with Andre Constantinescu, an extras casting director in Dallas, who will be talking about his passion for film and his fascinating career in the entertainment industry that supports both him and his wife. Stay right where you are. You won't want to miss a word. I'm all set, so grab whatever it is you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the McNinnies where we're enjoying orange groves, cows, an avocado tree, boats, dogs and a beautiful house. Are you ready? Well, as I said, we arrived safe and sound this past weekend at the little community called Turkey Creek, which we are to call home, along with two dogs, for the next three months. Leaving Texas was easy enough. The main concern we had was that our two girls were set to move into their own living quarters, but we needn't have worried. This whole situation has been blessed, and the girls are all set, sensibly renting rooms in houses that already have the utilities and Wi-Fi, and there's no deposit or lease to sign. Dorts has been pursuing a job at the coffee shop for her second form of income and found the best one in walking distance of where she's going to be living, which will save her gas. And she loves the little place where she teaches dance and is just biding her time with her nanny job, which is slated to end at the end of this month. As with most of those kinds of jobs, the way parents interact with their children is quite different from what our children are used to. There seems to be no parental interest in what they're doing, no desire to even try to discipline them. No wonder most parents say their children are fine in the public school system. They have no idea what's going on. Doris hears all the horror stories, and they are horror stories, from the back seat of her car, and believe me, she won't want her children being educated in the same way. We took all the children out for meals before we left individually because of their work schedules, and visited the restaurant our married son and wife are currently working at. Our maker son was in L.A. that final week, so we had to see him before he left. In letting our children go, the biggest challenge has been to allow them to make their own decisions, good or bad. So I pray for them. I pray, as Alison Botkey, my guest from a few weeks ago, says, that God will use them as he has planned. When we get in the way of God by sticking our all in and helping him, we may prevent our children from becoming whom God created them to be. In fact, as I was walking yesterday, I had a very strong image of being in God's way, so much so that I stepped aside off the path to let him pass and lead me. When thinking of our adult children, let's ponder the Great Commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Matthew eighteen nineteen to 20 All nations, I think. My children... My Texan and I worked to make them disciples while they were under our roof. And as far as the obeying, when we let them go, well, we pray that they obey. And when I get bogged down with legalism and finger pointing and sin grading, I'm in danger of losing sight of who my children are. By really letting them go, I free myself up for God to continue His work, not with them, here's the rub, with me. When I'm obsessed with my children and what they're doing, I'm placing a boulder in my pathway, so I cannot get on and continue God's work, waiting for me on the other side of this empty nest. Interesting thought, huh? Another bonus that has has been made apparent to me on our arrival at our house sitting assignment is that the small community we're now part of is a boating one. We're asked, "What is your connection with boats?" And we have to say, "We don't have a connection." "'unless you count the couple of years I spent powerboat racing off the coast of Guernsey "'before I knew any better, or the odd canoe we've turned over. "'Everyone here has a link to water, and have either travelled the world "'or worked commercially as captains, administrators, or renovators. "'I'm looking forward to getting to know them better, those few who are summering here, at least. "'And there's a boat moored to the dock belonging to the house where we are now living, "'which has been sold.' And the man who bought it is working on it, getting it weatherproof for the long trip to Indiana, where he's from. He can get it to within a 100 miles of where he lives through the inland waterways. He has his work cut out for him, I'm telling you. It's a wooden boat and over 80 years old. Um, there are yachts and cruisers all along the canal that I can see every morning when I wake up. And when I look upon my tranquil view... I take it in my stride, as if I've always lived somewhere so idyllically beautiful. And what about the people whose house this is? It was as if we had known them for years... They're English, of course. Been here for 20 years, but that doesn't take the Englishness away. I discovered that things my gentlemen used to make fun of me for were par for the course. For example, we had a lunch of cheese and crackers, and my Texan got up from the table to get himself a paper towel, and I commented, It's an English table. No napkins. It's not just me who doesn't use a serviette. It was wonderful to be able to talk to them without having to think, what's the American term for jumpers and slides? (laughs) Those words are fully understood by my new friends. Can you believe we all have boarding school experiences? We couldn't have chosen a better match if we'd hand-picked them ourselves. And we found them online, something we always caution our children against. I actually had no worries on my way here, a total calmness as though this was exactly the right thing to do. And I asked them if they felt comfortable leaving their home and dogs to us for three months, and they said, absolutely. And it's time for me to go on my first break. You're listening to The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet Radio, and I'm Vivian McNenny. And before you go and replenish your drink, let me introduce you to my guest this week, Andre Constantinescu, Andre works as the extras casting director for the TNT show Dallas where he brushes shoulders with my children and my blue-eyed cowboy and me every once in a while. We're going to be talking about his career as part of a short series of shows where I'm going to be bringing you ideas that may spark an interest in your children or even in yourselves. Andres always loved film and television. His mum says he loved TV even when he was very little, and that around two or three years of age he was quoting lines for shows and recognizing actors. He graduated from Louisiana Tech University with an MA in theatre and in the spring of 2011 was hired to cast the extras for the Dallas Pilot on TNT and his company Legacy Casting was officially born. Stay tuned and hear him speak about his career when I managed to snag him during his lunch break while he was at work at the stages in downtown Dallas. His office is a little noisy and you'll be able to hear activity going on in the background. It'll give you a real sense of life in the entertainment industry. And I'll be back in just a moment with my guest, Andre Constantinescu.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to TogiNet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon, starting at 3, 2 Central on Toginet.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan Rivers Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo. Dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney.
1: Well, Andre, welcome to my show.
2: Thank you. I've uh, been wanting to be on for a long time. So well, good. Good you hear
1: you hear about us um probably through my children. Andre um works with my children down um in in Dallas. He works in Dallas on the show Dallas. But you know, I'm going to let Andre tell you about that himself. But first off, as I've said, welcome. Let's talk about um where you grew up, where does that fantastic last name comes, come from?
2: Oh, it's a Romanian last name. It's okay. A, I was born in Romania, and my oh. parents brought me over to the States when I was four years old, so that's pretty exciting.
1: Okay, okay. And um, have you always known what you wanted to do ever since you were a young, young boy?
2: I have always loved film and television, so yes, since I was a young boy, I wanted to be an actor or some somehow involved in TV, and so this has worked out perfectly.
1: And were your parents supportive of that?
2: Well, my dad's a doctor, and so he, I think for a long time, wanted me to be, to follow his footsteps into medicine. Mm -hmm. early on, it became really clear that that's not my strong suit. All right. So yes, um, for the most part, they've been very supportive, especially since... Um, and
1: and do, you have, do you have lots of siblings? Did you have the typical upbringing, you know, went to, went to school, had lots of family around?
2: I have one sister. Mm-hmm. She is two years younger than me, and we've been very close. And yes, lots of family. We have um, a lot of close-knit aunts, uncles, grandfather, grandmother um, on both sides. So yes, we've been close-knit all, all my life.
1: And so, are they in Romania? Did they come to America or is just spread across the world?
2: Some of them. That, a little of all of that. We mm-hmm. have some family in America and some in mm-hmm. Romania, mm-hmm. and then a couple in Germany and other parts of the world as well. Yeah, London. and,
1: and you, you travel there a
3: lot?
2: I, I don't travel as much as I should. I used to before I got super busy with, with work and life and yeah. got married. Yeah, But... But yeah, I, I have traveled to see all my family and all the various parts yes, of the world they live in. in
1: well, let's talk a little bit about um, your childhood dream of being uh-huh. in what film? Is that what you wanted to do first? Yes, off? ma'am. Mm-hmm. Film. Okay, so how how did that how did that show itself when you were younger and went while you were at school?
2: That's a great question. I I took an interest to community theater really early, Uh so we would see plays, and I would just be astounded by it, or watch TV and think, I want to be on that. Uh Um, I mean, I was always entertaining people in in the house and things like that, Uh so that's kind of how it manifested itself Uh at, at an early age, and then when I got into high school and middle school, I started performing in theater productions. I um, was at, at mm. you know, the, the school. Mm-hmm.
1: So did you, well, you said your parents came here from, from Romania. Where did you, where actually did you grow up?
2: They came to Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And so we, for a year I lived in Philadelphia.
3: Uh-huh.
2: And then we came here to Garland, Texas, actually, okay. after that. Okay. And then when i was 12 or 13 we moved to louisiana
1: okay okay because our family grew up in garland and we did the community theater oh how interesting you know so um we actually the children performed i mean there wasn't there was no keeping them off the stage so as soon as they could audition they were auditioning
2: that's wonderful yeah yeah similar to, to me
1: did you do that as a child um in the, did you actually perform in a community theater as a child or not?
2: I think some church productions, not so okay. much okay. community theater. All right, but de- definitely some um, church plays and things like that.
3: Yeah.
1: And then did you go? Did you go to college, Andre?
2: Yes, ma'am.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said that you started performing there. Is that right?
2: I performed in high school, uh-huh. and. Decided to major in history in college. Okay. So I would go to the theater, and but I wouldn't I had not auditioned until my senior year, and then I auditioned for a play, and I did some theater that year, and kind of decided I'm gonna <laughs> just really enjoy my senior year and take an acting class and do some things I hadn't previously done in college. Okay. Um, and I really enjoyed it so much that I wanted to. Pursue getting a master's in theater, which is what I eventually did.
1: You did do that, okay. So your love of film and wanting to be an actor and and be in film, you didn't actually start to practice that desire until you were older, until you'd almost finished with college. Well, you're you're now taking your master's um, in theater. And um, so so what were you doing? I mean, what kind of jobs did you have to support you at college? What, what did you do when, if you weren't acting, apart from probably watching lots and lots of
2: films? As, as far as jobs go, mm-hmm. they weren't in the theater department or anything like that. Okay. Um, I did... I was an RA, a residential assistant there uh-huh. in college. Uh-huh. And so I helped take care of the students when i could um, and that's kind of what i did to make some extra money yeah. and to get free housing which was great okay um and then i did some other random jobs on on campus i worked in the foreign language lab
3: um,
2: as a student student uh, worker and then eventually when i did start my master's in theater i work in the box office, the theater box office. Okay. So that was pretty fun.
1: Okay. And when did you start earning a living doing what you dreamed?
2: I good question. I started as a radio DJ. Okay. After I graduated college. And so that was kind of, I felt like I was a little bit on my path. But during that radio job, which was a part-time job, I, the film industry had started coming to the to Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina, so they had been filming in South Louisiana and New Orleans, and then the hurricane hit, and they started doing casting calls at our uh-huh. college, uh-huh. and so I went to put my name in for a background actor for an extra, uh-huh. and they called me about a month later, and I was so excited, and. That's probably when I started, quote, making a living doing what I wanted to do. Is mm-hmm. when I started doing extra work.
3: Okay,
1: It was so
2: fun to be on set, and I just really enjoyed it. Probably similar to how um, your daughter feels when she comes to set as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and actually, when when you're actually working in something that you're passionate about, it doesn't really feel like work, does it?
2: Exactly. <laughs> a lot of fun you can come early and stay late and still really enjoy it
1: yeah yeah and it just it just oh, excuse me it just doesn't seem as though um you're working and there are so many people out there that you know sort of go to work and they're miserable at work and, and you go i love my job well right know, we're, we're just the, the lucky few so we're, we're really blessed because there aren't that many of us out there Okay, so um, New Orleans casting. You were an extra, and I know that um, my daughter does a little bit of extra work, but uh, mm-hmm. what she does doesn't make her enough money to pay the rent. Right. So, were you doing a lot?
2: No, no. It was, it was. I was still working in in the radio station at that time.
1: Okay, and so they pay, then, and, and you got paid at the radio station. I obviously. got paid, but yeah.
2: very little. I mean, it was. I know. It's not enough to make a a true living on, no. like I was living with my sister and um, and just would share the rent together and things yeah. like
3: that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, all this time, your parents are probably going, well, you've got a perfectly good history degree. Come on, why don't you just go do that?
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> so what would you do? What were you going to do with you? Why did you choose history?
2: I was going to be a teacher. Okay. And okay. so I thought...
1: So you, yeah. still have, but you still have the ability. I mean, you could still do that. You have a master's now, so you can Correct. go teach in a college probably.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's right. Yeah,
1: So that's good. You've got your day job to fall back on. Right. <laughs> right. But you don't have to do that because um, what happened after New Orleans and, and um, doing some extra work? What, what happened then?
2: Well, I moved to Shreveport, mm-hmm. and a gentleman who had been casting me as an extra... Uh, began to teach an acting class and he asked and he sent out a big email to his database He said, I'm teaching an acting class. You'll uh-huh. so have to audition to get, uh-huh. to get into the class. And so I did an audition, a monologue and he, you know, welcomed me into the class and after, and it was a, a, a really fun class actually where I met a lot of good friends that are still friends of mine. And he, Months later started his own casting company and
3: one random day said. He like called me and
2: said, Can you come and just answer phones and I'll pay you like fifty dollars? But like my assistant just quit and so we're really slammed. Uh-huh. So I went into his office and
3: started answering phones and kind of
2: casting helping cast extras. It was really fun. And he asked me to kind of stay on for the rest of that show, I was working another job and I got a leave of absence, quote unquote, leave of absence okay. um, from that job. And and then the, we just kept working, It was 2008, two, end of 2007, beginning of 2008. And we worked that whole year. I felt like we would never stop working, which I loved. Um, and so that's kind of how we started.
1: All right, and then, from there, what happened?
2: from there in two thousand and nine, uh-huh. the kind of financial crisis hit, and people stopped making movies and had the writer strike as well and so there was a a really long dry spell. I was kind of like, "Oh no, uh-huh. it's time to start my start a second plan for my life like, uh-huh. it was it was not a good time after that uh-huh. um, but I you know, eventually the productions came back, um, and I continued to work until I met my then, well, I met my wife, uh-huh. a lady who'd be eventually become my wife, uh-huh. um, and she lived in Dallas. And I thought, oh, if I want to be with her, I really might need to think about moving to Dallas. Uh-huh. And I started sending out applications to casting companies, yeah. and nobody was hiring or would return my phone calls or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, one nice lady did, Keena Bale, who's a local casting director here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And finally, she she called me one day. She just got a big project, needed an assistant that was experienced. And so um, she called me and I interviewed and we did you know, it was, We were a good match right off the bat. All right. And so I became her assistant. Okay. And eventually she left the show that we were working on because she was too busy with other projects, side projects. Um, they hired mm-hmm. another extras casting director. I mm-hmm. was her assistant. Our show, Lone Star, got canceled. And so I went with the other casting director to her show, Chase. Because mm-hmm. at that time, there were three TV shows in Dallas going on um, that all of a- didn't make it for one reason or another. And then she. Had been doing this for a long time, Walk of Texas Ranger and Prison Break, and Mm -hmm. was kind of burned out on the extras casting world because it can be, it's a lot of fun, but it can be wearing on you. If Mm -hmm. you get a lot of phone calls, you get a lot of emails, it seems like it never ends sometimes. Mm -hmm. And she decided to kind of retire. Mm -hmm. Um, And she had met me and she felt like I was a really good, like really ready to take my next step and really encouraged me to start my own company. Uh-huh. And then Dallas came along and they, and she said, you know, I, she received a call to work on it. And she said, I'm, I don't think I'm doing it, but let me give you a reference to Andre. He's a really great guy and does a good job. And so I'm very thankful to her. Debbie, uh Debbie Michaelis was her name. Uh-huh. She kind of paved the way for me to begin my own casting company. So that was kind
1: of how it all started right wow so you actually went off completely the deep end and went into business for yourself
2: (laughs) yes that's right
1: yeah now um was there much of a you know for my listeners who are you know sort of homeschool parents and they're they're listening Mm -hmm. to their children's ideas and that and we all go oh my goodness Mm -hmm. I hope that works out you know as if it's as if we're responsible as the parents but you know here you Mm -hmm. are and um you decided that, well, I'll, I'll start my own business. Was there a lot of um, monetary outlay to do that? I mean, or did you just need a
3: computer?
2: For what I do, there's not, excuse me, I'm chewing on a top drop and I'm about to swallow it. <laughs> so if you heard any Frenchy Crunch, <laughs> um, there's not a lot of, I mean, there's a bit of, Expense mm-hmm. as an overhead mm-hmm. because everybody needs a website, and
3: yeah,
2: I feel like you can't be really legitimate without having one. Yeah. So, you need to hire mm-hmm. uh, we had we hired a graphic designer and a website developer, mm-hmm. um, and that was primarily what. And then, you, you do need a good laptop or a good computer, mm-hmm. um, and a good Wi Fi connection, so you do need to pay for your, mm-hmm. your bills every month, mm-hmm. um. Besides that, for what I do, you don't need a whole lot besides that. But, I mean, we're at the point now that we'll, we do need to open up our own office. We have, we're kind of working out of different production offices, which is great. And I think yeah, yeah. As long as we can do that, that, that's wonderful. But we're kind of taking on a couple more projects. So it's become more necessary to open up yeah. our own office, which yeah. brings Not- a whole new set of expenses.
1: Okay, so in there somewhere, between your two thousand and nine right. and now, you married. You got married.
2: Yes, in two thousand ten. Okay, so when
1: when did you get married?
2: October tenth, two thousand ten. Oh. Uh huh. So it's um. Okay. <laughs> 10, 10, 10 was the year.
1: No excuses, Andre. <laughs> exactly. I can't forget that. <laughs> right. All right, and your wife now was she was she in the same business or does she oh, do something not at all. more sane?
2: Much more sane. She, yeah. at that time, was a third grade teacher.
3: Uh-huh.
2: She has done fifth grade and third grade teaching for about 11 or 12 years now, uh-huh. and now she's an instructional specialist in McKinney. Okay. So she um, teaches her school, the teachers in her school, better teaching methods and um, does standardized testing and things like that.
1: Okay, so school. she's away from the children now and more in right. with the teachers. Okay. Right. Wonderful. Well, Andre, we have to go on a short break. And when we come back, yeah. I want you to tell me um, the job that you're doing now. And we'll get more into the details sure. of um, how a casting director works. So we're just going on a short break. And we'll be back. Andre and I are talking about uh, the um, entertainment industry.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNitty, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on Toginet.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying, to 14 ways to get a baby to eat, and so much more. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host Vivian McNenny.
1: Right, I'm talking to Andre, and Andre, you say your last name because I'm sure you'll say it a whole lot better than I do.
2: Constantinescu.
1: Constantinescu. Okay, sure. I'm talking to Andre, and he is um, on the set of a show that, gosh, it first aired many, many moons ago when I was just a baby. Um, <laughs> And it's come back to um, huge success and um, has hit the younger generation now. So it's it's rather interesting how it's come almost full circle. So, Andre, tell us about um, this this coup that started you into your own business.
2: Well, uh, the TV show I've already mentioned, but just in case you're catching this late or have dozed off or something, Mm -hmm. um, it's Dallas for TNT. It's Mm -hmm. worldwide. So wherever you're listening from, I'm sure it's airing in your... Um, or will air really soon. Uh-huh. Um, so what I do, I'm the extras casting director, uh-huh. which means I'm in charge of casting all the non-speaking roles on the show. Um, it's a, a really fun job. Sometimes we, the episode that will air today in America, tonight at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m., depending on what time zone you're in, um, is a big wedding episode. Uh-huh. So on the scenes like that, I'm casting hundreds of people. Um, then you have some scenes that are very small, like two or three or one uh-huh. person, depending on what, what the needs are of the script. So every day is, is a different kind of a different animal as far uh-huh. as what I'm doing on a day-to-day job. but it's all dealing with non-speaking roles on this TV show, and then I have worked on a couple others as well
1: so what what instructions do they give you? Okay, Andre, we need a hundred people. Do they say specifics, ages, demographic? what 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 do they give you?
2: Every director's a little bit different. Okay. so just so to get to walk you through a, a process, mm-hmm. we get a script about seven to eight days before filming starts. Okay. And we'll read the script and have a concept meeting. and that concept meeting, it's a chance for all the department heads to get together. And talk about their specific department, and with the director, okay. and the director kind of lays out his or her vision for what they desire um, the episode to be like. Okay. So that being said, sometimes you'll in that meeting you'll get some nuggets of, oh, so the wedding guest should be high end twenties to fifties based on what he said. Uh-huh. And sometimes he'll say, Oh, we should have some of the 60 to 80 year olds that have that worked at the last time we did a wedding scene or something like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then I'll kind of have, I'll know what we're looking for based on those meetings. And okay. we'll also do individual department meetings with the director. And so then you can talk about much more specific things. Sometimes in those general meetings, you don't have time to ask uh-huh. really specific questions because, everybody's there and you don't want to monopolize the director's time by asking your exact things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you'll have your own meeting where you can ask a lot of questions. Um, and so they'll usually tell you, um, a gender breakdown, how many men, how many women, mm-hmm. what ethnicities, what age groups, things like that. And sometimes you just kind of know from having done it so much it, you shouldn't have all women in a scene. You shouldn't have all men in a scene. They should be a variety of ages. Uh-huh. They should be. Um, they shouldn't all be the same ethnicity, unless that's like unless it's set in, you know, Nazi Germany or uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mississippi in the '60s, uh-huh. and then it's a plot point that everybody is the same race or uh-huh. gender. Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of how it works.
1: Okay, and then where do you go from there? You don't you don't run auditions for these extras.
2: Usually not. I mean, depending on... We're doing a scene today that will air... Or a scene in a couple of days that will air in the summer. Mm-hmm. And there there's a little boy that is a very featured extra mm-hmm. that I did have to bring him in to audition. I put him on tape. Okay. Um, doing some things and sent my videos off to um, Los Angeles and I'm waiting to hear back on what they think and who they want to cast for that. Usually I don't need to do that, but there are times when you would put somebody on tape. In general, it's your casting based on the look. So I'll ask for pictures or now we have an online database where people can sign up and upload their own pictures. One of the, the reason for this online database is because People's pictures are constantly changing. Yes. Or people's, you know, get their hair cut or uh-huh. dye their hair, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So, this online database, you can change your own photos rather than having to email every couple of months with new pictures. Okay. Um, when you get new headshots, you can log into your account and change your photos. So, that's one of the advantages.
1: All right. So, then you send out emails to all of these yes. people saying, you know this is the call and right. people respond and you either say yes or no to them
2: correct uh-huh. yeah in, in the old in the days before our database not. just so you know it's mycastingfile.com it's a free online website that you can get signed up on uh-huh. um, so if anybody is interested they can uh-huh. get signed up there uh-huh. um, before my casting file we would send hundreds of emails or make phone calls um and say are you dear you know dear bill are you available for the third of january or whatever the date is yeah yeah. sometimes those dates change we'll we'll keep a spreadsheet of who's booked on what days and then the days change we'll just email that whole group and say i'm sorry your date has changed please reply back if you're available this is a new date um so that's kind of the process. Now, with yeah. my casting file, it's a little bit easier yeah. and more streamlined.
1: And so, you're, so you've got your large group of people, and you probably have, you personally aren't answering all of those emails. You have a staff at this point. What At what point did you have to start bringing people in to help you?
2: Well, when I started Dallas, I brought in Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, she had been an extra on the other shows that I had worked on, mm. on Lone Star and Chase and she, a little bit towards the end of uh, those shows when you need like an extra hand on set, I, I called her in and she did a good job and so um, that's how I found her Yeah, yeah. and and so that's when I, I was like, oh, I guess I'll have to start hiring somebody Yeah, and for her or for Dallas is not as, even though there are lots of extras mm-hmm. it's not such a big show that you need a ton of staff every day on that yeah. show yeah. so I have been able to do a lot of it on my own and then I have a budget to bring in Robin or another assistant in as needed um, and my wife does work with me as well we did the movie Olympus Has Fallen uh-huh. that filmed in Shreveport, Louisiana two years ago
3: uh-huh.
2: um, and so over, over the summertime she's my assistant she does a great job she's awesome yeah and um she's learning about the film industry yeah we did a couple of movies last summer as well that she assisted me on so um yeah. so yeah we still we're still thriving in louisiana and texas so we're blessed for that all
1: right so in your in your um the time that you have spent doing this and working towards your own did you dream that you would have your own company or did you just want to be a casting director
2: mm, i it's a great question i I never really dreamed that it would that I would go this route yeah, but i'm thankful for it and i i love I enjoyed so much working as a background actor when I was yeah. a background actor that I love to give new people that same experience,
3: yeah yeah.
2: To let them realize, "Oh wow, I do matter on set, and this is yeah. really yeah. fun." And the movie or TV show would look kind of funny if I wasn't here.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah.
2: So it's it's kind of a it's not always the most fun job, but I I try to make it as fun as possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so now I wouldn't trade it for anything, even though it wasn't kind of my initial vision. Yeah.
1: Uh, and, and what did you learn in the process about yourself?
2: Hmm. What did I learn about myself?
1: Sounds to me as though you needed to be hugely organized. Were you an organized <laughs> person?
2: <laughs> um, no. And I am st- still, it's not my strongest suit. I try to surround myself with, with organized people because I'm not yeah. naturally organized. Uh-huh. Um, but... But I learned that I would rather be working in film than not working in film. Okay. And I learned that what a collaborative industry it is, even though what, before you join the film industry, you probably kind of believe everybody's best friends and that, they, that everybody knows each other. And then when you start your job, you're like, there are hundreds of people here. I don't know everybody. And it's going to take me years to learn who everybody is, mm-hmm. but it's still a very, everybody has a really important job to do, whether it's in the limelight or not in the limelight. And so that's a really interesting thing that I've learned for yeah. myself as well. I also learned that I'm a hard worker. I, yeah. yeah, In high school and middle school, college, I didn't uh, quote unquote apply myself the way I should have. Mm-hmm. But coming to work every day and keeping the long hours we keep, and um, I've learned that it is – that I am a hard worker. It just takes something special to to motivate me, I guess.
1: Okay, so what advice would you give to a young person who said that this is what they wanted to do and, um, you know – what what would you say? Would you, would you say, well, you know, you need to go to college and maybe get a degree in this just in case that doesn't work? Or would you say just go for it, but you need to make sure that you do and what would that be?
2: Well, I think that for somebody who's trying to go into acting or any kind of production work, I would tell them to have a thick skin because it takes a lot of uh, times of hearing no before somebody says yes and uh-huh. gives you a job or gives you an opportunity to, to actually work as a paid uh-huh. um, employee or a crew member of, of a show um, or an actor for that reason, for that matter. So try to get experience as you can by maybe volunteering for free to do things or um, doing independent projects on your own, yeah. just so you can have that experience and, um, and then also I would give the advice of you're not going to make a lot of money in the beginning. So if that's something that's important to you, you're going to need to figure out another way to supplement your income. Um, see lots of people that have done film work for years that are still at it uh-huh. and they are growing and they are um Doing their own projects or they, if they're background actors, sometimes some of them have now had speaking roles because they've had so many, they've made so many connections on their sets or, um, or they're doing their own projects that Uh are keeping them sharp and ready. Um, or even they are getting other positions on, on TV shows or, um, films in as production assistants or as even like, other jobs like craft service or um, other film jobs, which I think is pretty impressive. Cool. It's just because they've been around for so long and have made those contacts. Yeah, so, and
1: I, I think the thing is that until you actually get into the industry, you have no idea what's involved and what exactly. other avenues you can, what other avenues you can um, follow. And maybe you know you might go into it thinking, well, this is what I want to be. I want to you know act. And then you suddenly right. realize, oh my gosh, look at what's going on over here. That's much more interesting. That that seems as though something that would suit me much better. Right. And it sounds as though you're casting, although casting is something that you you wanted to do and you you wanted to be involved in films as an actor. But um, once you found out what was what other things were out there, you know that that's what lured you. Yeah,
2: right. Exactly. Exactly. It's just being involved in. Yeah. Staying. In the industry, is yeah, the the most important thing to me.
1: Now, Andre, um, what what do you see in your future? Where are you going? I know Dallas is getting ready to wrap up here. Where? When are they doing first week in April? Yeah. I think. Yeah, yes? first
2: week of April. That's right. Yeah,
1: and um, if they get renewed for a, another season, I suppose mm-hmm. um, that'll be you. So, what do you I do? during those downtime,s and obviously you can't I mean Dallas isn't going to be here for years and years and years so what do you right. see in your future?
2: Well it's a good question it's a lot of trusting the Lord and just trying to uh-huh. uh, take a day at a time yeah. at, at any moment your phone can and a big production to be coming your way so I don't ever want to take it for granted that I am currently working but any moment I I know from my previous experiences of what it's like to be on a show and then the next Two days later, they said, okay, um, we are pulling the plug, so you have two days to wrap up, and then you're no longer employed. So that can happen to anybody. Um, But, so I'm just always looking out to see what Mm -hmm. other productions might be coming. Um, Usually, because the film industry is kind of a tight-knit community, Mm -hmm. you start to hear rumors of, oh, I hear there's another show coming, and then, kind of find out through the grapevine who is hiring the people for mm-hmm. that show and you send them your resume um, and so I do that often even when I am working yeah. because you don't ever know exactly what the future will hold um, so this summer I'll, I'll be working on a couple other projects that are not Dallas uh-huh. and just kind of hoping to see what happens next And you know, always in the back of my mind and my wife's mind is do if all the shows tax incentives in Dallas go away will we need to move to Los Angeles or New York or some other place to continue to to work in this field so these are things that we talk about all the time
1: yeah that was Um, going to be that was going to be a question I mean how necessary is it for you to be in LA or New York
2: uh, right now it's not necessary but Mm -mm. but because of the way that TV shows and films are made these Mm -hmm. days Mm -hmm. there's lots of independent productions, there's yeah. also lots of um, people that are coming are kind of leaving Los Angeles to make films in other places because of the tax incentives that are in place in other states. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so we're definitely blessed in that regard that we have a mobile casting company that if we do need to do jobs in another place we can um, but we're really happy when productions come here so we can stay and work in the same place we live. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, Andre, thank you so much for talking to me um, today, this afternoon. I've been talking to Andre Constantinesco and um, he's, he's the casting director for X extras on the show Dallas. Mm -hmm. And, other things he does he does a lot of independence and um i will have his website and and his links up on my on my front radio page and on my website itself so andre thank you so much you have a You're wonderful welcome. rest of your day there. Thank you the, the busy busy dallas office yes ma'am <laughs> thank you so much bye oh,
2: my pleasure have a good day
1: thank you bye okay bye
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these.
3: Hi, everybody. This is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. Yes, why don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix.
0: Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. I was talking to Andre
1: Constantinescu, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation recorded about six weeks ago. Andre has always loved film and television. One of his earliest memories is entertaining his extended family with stories and jokes and wondering what else he could do or say to make them laugh. For as long as he can remember, he's known he wanted to be an actor or work in the film industry, and hard work and perseverance finally paid off for him. He worked for Glorioso Casting, assisting and coordinating the extras for several projects. He also cast the principal roles for some non-union short films and worked as an actor, including a role in Beyond a Reasonable Doubt. And in the fall of 2009, he moved to New Orleans to cast with Coulon Casting. His experience there gave him another view of extras casting and paved the way for his future move to Dallas, Texas. And in the spring of 2011, Andre was hired to cast the extras for the Dallas Pilot on TNT and Legacy Casting was officially born. Pop on over to his site, linked on my front page at Tokinet and on my website, The Social Homeschooler, to find out more. I loved the way André encouraged everyone to help keep moving towards his or her dream. Don't take no for an answer. Persevere and develop a thick skin. Good lessons for every walk of life. And as homeschoolers, we know that once our children are fully invested in what they want to do, there is no stopping them. Our journey to Florida last week was uneventful, which is the way we like journeys. We'd arranged to have an audiobook to keep us company on the road. And while I was taking my two-hour stint at the wheel, we listened to it. And then we listened to it for another two or three hours. And we arrived at our first stop. And I fell into bed at 7.30 in the evening and stayed there until the next morning. No dinner, no exploring, nothing. The following day, I thought it must have been the sensory overload that hit me. Concentrating on the road and a complicated narrative was just more than I could manage. Consequently... That was the last we heard of the story, which was Aragon by Christopher Paolini, himself a homeschooler. Written when he was a young teenager, it was a really very impressive piece of descriptive writing. And he started off by self-publishing and has become a huge success with his four-book series. I've read the first two, but my waiter son wants me to read the other two so that we can discuss them. They're very long, and I doubt I'll ever have time for all of that listening, so I probably had better pop onto Amazon and get the rest of the books. On day two of our uneventful journey, we were nearing our second hotel and the traffic stopped. We were four miles away from our exit and it took three hours to get there. I was driving and my gentleman was doing what gentlemen do best, being polite and wondering why I didn't pull over into the lane that was going faster than us and cut him further down the line close to the exit. And I wouldn't, because I know how irritated I am by people who do that. Aren't you? It was an exercise in patience. We did go through a scenic route to our hotel once we had exited, and we discovered that Ocala is a large thoroughbred stud area. The horse farms are beautiful with their Spanish moss draping from magnificent large live oaks. I was smitten with the countryside, and we had to go back the following morning to take photographs. Well, I have to say something about the dogs that have been left in our care. It's the dogs that we're really here for. Blake is a large shepherd mate, six years old, and an old softie. And Skye, a very pretty, perky westie, who loves rolling in horrible, smelly things and getting grass stains on her lovely white coat. We've already washed her in the utility room twice. She's three and not at all ladylike. She has a charming little quirk, We have to take her and Blake to the end of the cul-de-sac periodically during the day to spend a penny, and she hates those little walks, so she just lies down in the middle of the road in the full sun and pretends just to go to sleep. It's so funny. I've been taking them for their long morning walk. The earlier I go, the cooler it is, but I don't know how long that'll last. I walk past fields with cows and white birds, watch the mist curling on the ground, spot the odd orange left behind on the groves and see kestrel and bald eagles nesting high on electric posts. And one morning I saw a river boat making its way towards the Ortega Lock. Really, we have fallen into this little paradise and are taking it in our stride. As I said earlier, the tranquility and the idyllic setting is something you'd think I'd been born to. The early morning view from our screened-in porch of trees overhanging the canal with boats docked alongside houses on stilts. And I have an avocado tree outside my office window and all the windows are open. I get a lovely through breeze. We haven't used the air conditioning yet, but I'm sure we will. And of course, I can't draw to a close without commenting on the house, which is small and airy with screened-in porches that easily add another third to the square footage. We leave the windows and sliding glass doors open and a lovely breeze, as I said, curse through the house. We don't have to lock up when we leave. The dogs guard it for us from stray cats or squirrels. And apparently I may see alligators sunning themselves along the banks of the main canal. I've walked there several times in the hopes of catching one or two basking. So far, no sightings. They must be shy. But the little community isn't. Everyone is very friendly. They're seasoned empty nesters as well as professional boaters, and they lead a life that is theirs, not governed or influenced by their children. I pray that we've been put here not only as a blessing for the house owners... But as an encouragement for our future way of life, the pull away from the children for us is a little bit difficult. Adjusting our minds to revolving around ourselves without taking the children into consideration is not one of the easiest things to do. With God's help, and his hand is all over this assignment it seems, we will succeed and I'll pass any tips I get along the way so that you can be prepared for your turn. When empty nest hits, and I'm using this time as a writing sabbatical to work on a book about managing the last few years of my parents lives from afar and I'll let you know how that is going and with the sound of a captain's bell heard in the distance, I've used up another hour for another week and we're going to be doing some exploring this weekend and may even take a trip to the beach. How fun that we are so close, and we may be able to give the dogs a treat and let them hop in the Jeep with us on our little jaunt. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny, and I'll be back same time, same place next week. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Tokenet Radio, my producer, Sabrina, my guest this week, Andre Constantinescu. And you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah and Joel, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia, Tina and oodles of others who are part of my growing audience, stay tuned all the time to Tokenet Radio and catch lots of great shows to help you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you His kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Do
0: Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginet. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com.